You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, it is great to see you guys this morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them and let's go to the book of 1 Kings. We're going to be uh, in chapter 17 in just a minute. 1 Kings is towards the front of your Bible. Uh, today we're starting a series entitled Elijah. We got really creative on this one and just went with Elijah. And uh, we're going to walk through his entire life. And so I'm excited over the next few weeks to look at him. He's one of my favorite, favorite, favorite characters in the Bible. Uh, does some incredible things. And uh, I relate to him in so many ways. And so uh, my, my prayer is that you'll relate to him too. Uh, he goes, uh, we're going to talk about preparation today and this idea and, and, and process of what it means to get prepared. Prepared. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about the battle that ensues, uh, that he uh, leads and, and uh, up against other gods. And it's just an incredible story. Um, and then he, he goes through a series of depression and, and what that looks like. And then he goes on and, and he passes that spiritual legacy on uh, into the life of Elisha. And so one of the cool things that we're going to see today is just how God uh, grows us, how God um, just invites us to walk with him. And then he takes us on a journey. And so some of us are going to relate today to like where Elijah is in chapter 17, like being prepared uh, for this like next step of faith that you need to take in your life. But before we jump in uh, to the word, I want to give you a little bit of background. So we're going to go History Channel a little bit today. So, um, you know, if you're not a History Channel, you know, person, you know, you're going to have to, you know, stay extra alert during this time. If you're a history person, you're going to like this. Uh, But uh, you guys will know this, like Israel had three kings. They, they had Saul, then they had David, David and Goliath, and then they had Solomon. Um, David, remember, he had an affair with Bathsheba. She had a son named Solomon. Solomon uh, took over, wisest man uh, ever, and he uh, took over the kingdom as a king. And they were all really good kings. Of course, they're not, they weren't perfect and they had their flaws, uh, but for the most part, did a, a pretty good job. Um, and, but then at the end of Solomon's life, uh, civil war began to break out in the nation of Israel. And they began to fight and there was a lot of you know, immorality and a lot of fighting for control and a lot of wickedness taking place. And so as a result, Israel was divided. And so Israel was divided into the northern kingdom, which maintained the name Israel. And then the southern kingdom uh, was called Judah. And so they had different kings and they had their own different uh, 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 kingdoms that they were dealing with there. And so over the course of two, three hundred years, the northern kingdom had 19 different kings and out of these 19 kings, you know how many of them followed God? Goose egg, zero. The Bible says that all 19 of them uh, did wicked, were, were wicked in the eyes of God. None of them followed God. And the nation of Judah, it was a little bit better. Over this same time period, uh, there were 17 kings. Eight of them followed God and nine of them did not. And so a little bit better, but still not good. But as a result of, of bad leadership, Israel as a nation sunk uh, morally. They uh, began to worship false gods. There was a lot of idol worship. Uh, if you read through the book of Kings, uh, you're going to see all kinds of murder, all kinds of you know, wickedness taking place. And as a matter of fact, if you'll go to our website, uh, I, I put on there a reading guide uh, for the book of 1 Kings because I want all of us to read the book of 1 Kings during this series because it will set up Elijah and then we'll actually you know, read Elijah and then kind of how, how his story ends as well. So if you don't have a reading plan or if you do, 
add this to yours. Uh, it's really simple. Every day there's a short passage for you guys to go check out. So go to foothillschurch.com slash Elijah and you can download that and start that today. Uh, so, so two kingdoms, a lot of wickedness. Um, and when, what we find here uh, towards the end of, 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 of all of this, two, three hundred years after Solomon, uh, Babylon comes and destroys Israel, takes many of them as slaves back to Babylon. Um, and then later, guys like Ezra, uh, Nehemiah are the guys that come back and rebuild the city. Uh, you guys remember all that story. But, but here, in, in, especially in chapter 16, 17, where we're going to be at, a guy by the name of Omri was the king. And the Bible says that Omri was more wicked than any other person, any other king that came before him. So if it wasn't, you know, bad enough, it got really, really bad when he took over. And so he dies and his son Ahab takes over. And so Ahab is the king when Elijah comes onto the scene. Now there's no like glamorous birth of Elijah. We don't know really much about him other than chapter 17. It's like... Boom, Elijah is in the Bible and he is here to stay and, 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 and he just stands right before the king uh, as we're going to see in chapter 17. And so a lot of turmoil. Uh, uh, this is the culture that, that he is in. He's in a culture that is, is chasing after other idols, uh, wickedness, murder. All these things are happening except for Elijah. He's a man of God. He stands strong. He is a great leader and we want to learn from him today. Now, the name Elijah is pretty cool. Um, Elijah... Um, uh, starts with the E-L of his name. Now, the Hebrew name for God is Elohim. And Elohim uh, was just like an endearing term for God as creator for the Hebrew people. And so the first part, L, is the abbreviated name for Elohim. And then the last part is J-A-H, which is the Hebrew name for Jehovah. And then the middle letter, I, is the personal pronoun in Hebrew for my or mine. So Elijah means uh, the Lord is my God. And so his name, uh, significant, uh, I think, as we go through uh, his story. Now, another name that you're going to be familiar with is uh, this guy Ahab, who was the king, was married to a woman named Jezebel. Now, let's just say the name Jezebel together. Ready? One, two, three. Everybody say it. Jezebel. Ugh. That's just like a bad name, isn't it? It just sounds evil. Now, if your name is Jezebel, I am sorry. I don't mean to offend you today. But change it, seriously. I, I mean, that, and she was, man, she was a wicked woman. I mean, she, she was the, a, a daughter of a king and of, their, of the Sidonians. And the Sidonians worshipped a god named Baal. And so multiple gods, but that was their, one of their main gods. And so uh, she, because she's, you know, she's married to the king of Israel, she is like, you know, ushering in all of this um, immorality and all of this idolatry. And so she was a very strong leader and very much manipulated and used uh, her leverage there as the wife of the king to guide the nation. And so this is, this is the scene when Elijah uh, comes into play here and when he begins to um, uh, serve God in this way we see in chapter 17. Let's go ahead and just read it together. Verse 1, chapter 17. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishba in Gilead said to Ahab, whew, now that's a mouthful. And we just got through verse 1. Now, now, okay, so he's from a place called Gilead. Gilead was like kind of the country. It wasn't like a city town. It was the country town. So imagine him as like a country boy, like, you know, leathery, muscular, kind of working in the yard and working in the field type of guy. Um, and he goes to Ahab. And Ahab is the king. He's the king, all right? So this is what he says. He says, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, 
before whom I stand, there, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. So the first thing that he does, you know, in the Bible, he goes directly to the king and he says, it's not going to rain until I say so. Not only is it not going to rain, like it's not even going to do. There's not, there's no moisture coming from the sky. Now, you know, you guys know this is an area which is very much a desert climate. So rain is huge for all of us, no matter where you live, but especially in the desert. You feel the pinch a lot quicker when you live in the desert when it doesn't rain. And so here is Elijah saying, it's not going to rain, it's not even going to do until I say so. So you can imagine how much this infuriates Ahab and how much it infuriates Jezebel. And we're going to learn on, uh, in, in the next coming verses and chapters as we read this uh, that they were looking for him ever since in the moment he uh, proclaims this and then leaves. They're looking for him because they want to kill him and they want to come after him. And so this is, this is a big deal. Verse 2, after he does that before the king, verse 2 says, And the word of the Lord came to him and said, Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Kareth, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Kareth, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up, because there was no rain in the land. So here's what's happening. So he makes this big you know, statement to the king. He's before the king, and then God tells him to go to this place called Kareth. Now, Kareth is even further, you know, into the desert and even further away from civilization. And so God is calling him to go, you know, basically isolate himself. And he, he says, look, while you're there, you're going to be in the desert, and I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to feed you, and there's going to be a little brook there that's going to, you know, give you water, and, and, and birds are going to come, and they're going to bring you food. Now imagine if you're Elijah when you hear this from God. I'm sorry, God, did you say a raven or did you say, excuse me, could you explain that a little bit? Has anybody been fed by a bird lately? Anybody? I I don't know if like if they're swooping down, you know, like McDonald's picking up a fry and then bringing it over and dropping it. I don't know how it's happening, but, but here he goes off in isolation to this place called Kareth and birds are feeding him. And a little brook is giving him nourishment and refreshing him. So God tells him to do this. And it tells us that he went and he did according to what the word of the Lord had told him. You see, obedience is huge if you want to walk with God. It's one thing to say that, man, I love God and I'm going to do, you know, I want God's blessing and I'm a believer. But it's another thing to actually walk with God. 80% of the people in our country say they believe in God. But that, we all know that they're not Christians and they're not like faithful followers of Jesus. Now, the difference is somebody who is actually walking with God. And so God tells him to go and he goes and he isolates himself. Now, this is not a place that he would have wanted to go. This is not like a cool, fun place to go hang out. This would have been very challenging for him. Not only that, now he's being challenged to like depend solely on God for food and water. Like he could wake up and he could go hunt or he could go search or he could go to the well or he could do other things to find stuff and take care of himself. But in this case, like he has to completely depend upon the Lord and the birds feed him in the morning and then in the evening. And, and then uh, he, he's, 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 he, he gets nourishment from the brook. 
Now, I want to pull out several things this morning as we think about this and kind of grasp our minds around where he's at. But I'll start by saying that, you know, our walk with God is a process. It's a process of growing and maturing. And it starts, if you're taking notes, with an invitation to follow God. God has invited Elijah to follow him. And listen, folks, God has invited you to follow him. He has a plan. He has a purpose for your life, not just to eke your way through life, not just to kind of live here for a while, have a couple of kids and then, then see you later. He wants to do something powerful through you for the kingdom of God. So like I was reading Hebrews 11 last night and it was just blowing my mind. Read it a hundred times. Hebrews 11 and 12 were just killing me last night. Living for a, 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 a place in the future, like this new kingdom being kingdom-minded, being, be, having this understanding that we're aliens here in this world. Like this is not our home. Our future home is home. We don't belong here. We're strangers in this place. But our future home is with God. And we've got to keep that before our minds. Like, like that's what we're living for. And so God is inviting you. He's inviting me to walk with him. So we want, to, we want to ask her, so what does it mean to walk with him? Well, when we initially begin to walk with him, he's got to grow us and mature us. Like, I, I didn't just become a pastor one day. It was like six years of school and many churches and many mistakes and many mistakes more to come. But there was a process for me, and I'm still on that process as I grow and walk with him. And you're on the same journey. I don't know where it is for you. I don't know where you're at, but God has you on this journey and God is, is growing you. And, and here for Elijah, he's been invited to walk with God and he obeys. You see, so many times we want God's blessing without the faithfulness of being obedient. We want all this great stuff from God, but we don't want to take the step of faith. We don't want to obey him and what he's telling us to do. And so we struggle in those areas. But because it's a process, I, I jotted down three things that I wanted you to hear this morning about really kind of what it means to grow and what that process looks like. Because sometimes we want to serve God, want to follow God, and we're like, woohoo, yeah, we're going to do this. And then it's like, oh, go to the brook Kareth and wait and let birds feed you. It's like, wait a minute, no, I was ready for something big. I was ready to go fight. I was ready to, you know, knock down all the, all the idol worshipers. I was ready to, you know, take over the kingdom for you, God. I was ready to do that. And he's like, no, I want you to go to the brook. I want you to sit there in isolation all by yourself. Ah, it's not quite what I had in mind, God. Can we talk about this? Now, why is he doing that? A few things come to my mind when I think about that. The first thing is, he's not ready. He's not ready for the next step. When we follow God, when the Bible says that, that God's word is a lamp unto my feet, the, the, the lamp gives me light for my next step. You know, a lamp doesn't like shine out to the back road, does it? It's not like a big flashlight. It's, it's the next step. And so a lamp into my feet, I know what the next one is. I don't know what the third and fourth and fifth step are or where they're going to lead me. But I know if I take this step, I can see what the next one is. And so for Elijah, he wasn't ready for that fight yet or that we're going to talk about next week because he's in this season of being prepared. Now, I, I get this as a dad. And if you're a parent, you kind of get this. If, if my 11-year-old daughter came up to me and wanted to drive and, and, and then, you know, I don't like give her the keys to my car and say, here you go, honey, make sure you're back by midnight. Like, I don't, I don't do that because she's not ready for that responsibility. She's not ready to handle that. I mean, when she's 21, 23, 24, she'll be ready and I'll let her do that at that time, but not now, right? And so, so we kind of get that. So some of us are asking for the keys to the car from God and he's like, no, you're not ready. You're not ready for that yet. You got to be faithful in what you know to do 
today. Some of us, because it's a process, we've got to realize that, that God is teaching us to learn how to worship Him. He said, I don't need to, I know what worshiping Him, I'm, I'm here at church, Trent, I'm worshiping God. But I've said this a hundred times before, and I hope you guys are getting this by now, but like God doesn't have to teach you how to be a worshiper. You are great at worship. You're awesome at worship. It's not the object, or it's not, you know, learning how to worship that he's concerned about. It's the object of our worship that he's concerned about. Because each of us, we wake up and we are worshiping something. It's either materialism, the idea of success, it's, it's this idea of pleasure. Uh, whatever it is, we're going after something. And so we spend a lot of money towards it. We spend a lot of time doing it. And our mind is thinking about it. That is what worship is. And so when we decide to walk with God, he's got he's to re, reprogram us in a sense so that we can begin to worship him and begin to weed out all these idols that we have allowed to build up in our mind and in our heart as we, as we walk with him. And then finally, I would say that you're learning to trust and wait on God. So at the, the process of growing, the process of, of, of maturing, we have to learn how to wait and trust him. Now, so, so here's Elijah. He is waiting on God. Can you imagine as the birds are coming and, and as the water's flowing, he's like, man, I am getting tired. of How much longer do I have to be here? It's like, this, there's nobody here. I'm away from home. I, I, know what I, need, I know what I need to do. I need to go do something. I can't just sit here. That would have been some of our tendencies. Like we, we're so impatient. We can't, we can't. But God is like, no, you got to wait. You got to learn to trust me. Can you imagine waking up in the morning thinking, man, how am I going to eat today? I know the birds brought it yesterday, but are they going to bring... They're going to bring it today. And then, I mean, on top of that, I mean, the tendency then would, would have been to depend on the birds. And so God is like, through the blessing of food, he's also teaching like, and some of you are right here. Some of you are right here. Like God is the only thing you have. God has so broken you down. God has so done things in your life to where God is like the only thing that you have. And you're learning to trust and wait on him. Others of you aren't quite there yet. You're getting there because you're kind of looking at the birds and you're kind of looking at the brook and you're like, yeah, I can kind of do this on my own. But God wants to get you to the point to where you realize no matter what you have, no matter what you're doing, like he is the only thing that we can depend upon. Growth is a process. Maturing is a process. And he's invited us to walk with him but secondly, walking with God, his invitation, it always, always, always takes you out of your comfort zone. As a matter of fact, I would say this. If you are comfortable today, like in your life, then you are not growing. Because in order for you to grow, you've got to get outside of your comfortable little space, your comfort zone. And so Elijah's taken into isolation to this place called Kareth. The Hebrew word Kareth means to cut off or to cut from. And so in a sense there, I think there's some significance to the meaning of the name of this town or this area. Elijah is literally cut off from society and culture. He's hiding. He's fearing for his life. Not only is God cutting him off from society, but I, I think God is cutting him down. Like his pride is being cut. All his dependencies upon his relationships and, and maybe family and maybe, you know, what, what provided him food, what provided you know, money for him to live. God is cutting that out of him during this time of preparation. I mean, he is, he is being grown. He's taken out of his comfort zone. Now listen, some of you are afraid to walk with God because you know this to be true. 
God's going to ask you to do something and your immediate thought is, well, I'm not good enough. I can't do it. I don't, I'm too busy. You know, and we have all these excuses as to why we can't serve God. But listen, if you really want to walk with God, you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone. I mean, you're, you're going to have to experience the, you know, the butterflies again. You know, the butterflies, you're like, oh, I hate the butterflies. I hate being nervous. I just don't want to experience that. So I'm just going to go to church and sit down and then quietly leave. And that's all I'm going to do because I'm busy and I don't have time and, and I don't want to get nervous and I want to be outside my comfort zone. I like my little, my little deal and I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable. It's like, if you want to walk with God, you're going to, get, you're going to have to get outside of your comfort zone and experience that because it's in those moments where you realize, oh yeah, 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 yeah. This is what it means to walk with him and have faith in him because I can't do it on my own. And, 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 and God, divine moments begin to happen. You begin to speak into people's life and people begin to speak into yours. And it's like crazy how all these things are happening that you can't explain them, but it's only happening when you're outside of your comfort zone. You're walking with God. You're serving him. See, at the beginning here, Elijah is called a Tishbite. I mean, he's just a normal guy. He's a normal guy like us. And it, it's not until Kareth, not until this experience by the brook and, and being fed by the birds, being in isolation away with God, growing up, that he becomes a man of, uh, of God. Because in verse 24, it finally says that he is a man of God. Before that, he was before the king, but he was just a normal guy. Not until Kareth, not until the preparation took place, did he actually become a man of God. Now, some of you are outside your comfort zones. Some of you are giving for the first time. You know, you're financially giving. You're kind of worried. And you're kind of like, ah, oh, man, I'm part of this 90-day thing, but I'm, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with this. Some of you are, you know, your marriage is on the rocks and a lot of difficult things. And maybe you're trying to follow God through that. And you're like, man, I'm outside of my comfort zone. I'm doing things I've never done before. And it just, I, I just don't know where God is at. Some of you are involved in ministries and, and you're doing something new ministry-wise and it's like, ah, I, I, I just, I feel so uncomfortable around. Maybe it's students or maybe it's homeless people that you're beginning to serve or whatever at Carmen. You're getting involved and it's like, ah, just I'm uncomfortable. And it's like, that is when God grows you. That's when the experience of walking with God is made new. Now, Elijah had a lot to complain about. You know, first of all, I don't think food in a bird's mouth is very sanitary, okay? So complaint number one, you know, can I wash? This is gross, you know, can, can you put it in a bag at least? And say, you know, he was in isolation. He's not around anybody. He's away from his hometown. He's away from the people that he knew. I mean, this, this was very depressing on some levels. Like, like he had a lot to complain about. And so our tendency at that point is, man, I don't want to be here. Let's go. Let's go do something else. But for, for Elijah, he knew something that you and I need to know today. And he didn't go. He didn't leave Kareth until God told him to go. So there's this idea of being patient and waiting on God. We sang that song, Waiting Here for You Today. Some of us don't wait for anything. You're the guy on the horn in the car. You're the guy that speeds around. You know, you're the guy... You, we don't like to wait for anything. And one of the biblical principles that we have to understand is that sometimes when we walk with God, it means that we have to hurry up and wait. And wait for Him. Wait for Him to grow us and to mold us and to sharpen us. And I believe this is what is happening for Elijah. Now, look at verse 7 again. What happens? Verse 7 tells us that the brook dries up. Oh, 
as if it couldn't be bad enough, God. I'm eating unsanitized food. I'm in the desert by myself. And now my water source is gone. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, he's beginning to freak out a little bit because it doesn't just shut off. I can imagine it being, you know, a decent sized stream. And then the next day it's a little bit smaller. And the next day it's a little bit smaller until it's a little stream. And as this is happening day after day, I can imagine him going, "Uh uh-oh, you know, "Uh uh-oh. I thought I was where I was supposed to be. I thought this is what God wanted me to do. And now the brook is drying up. I mean, my goodness, what's happening here as I follow God? I thought, you know, I was supposed to have plenty of water and plenty of food and everything that I needed was going to be right here and nothing bad was going to happen to me. That's not always the case when you follow God. Sometimes the brook dries up. And it's not because God is punishing you. It's not because you're in the wrong place. It's simply, listen, to teach you to trust and walk with God. You see, that's huge because we interpret bad things in life as God not blessing us, as God, you know, punishing us for something. That's immediately where our mind goes because our mind is, it typically, it, it falls on law, not grace. And so when, we, when we're thinking law, something bad happens to me, something bad happens to my kids, God's punishing me for something that I've done. And that is not always the case. Elijah hasn't done anything wrong to cause the brook to dry up. He is exactly where God wants him to be, doing exactly what God wants him to do. And the brook still dries up. Now, some of you are experiencing this. Some of you are walking with God. You're being faithful to God. And yet your marriage is still struggling. And yet, you know, mentally or or physically, there's still issues. Financially, there are still issues. And you're looking around and you're thinking, now, wait a minute. God, I thought the deal was I do this and then all that stuff becomes easy. He's like, no, 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 that's not the deal. I didn't make that deal. The deal is you walk with me and you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. The deal is when you walk with me, you honor me. And that's what we get. You see, the the thing that we have to get to is not, God, I want to do this so that I can get all these blessings and all these things. I promise you, they come But if that's our focus, sometimes God still tries to teach us some things on this. I've got to trust and find everything in him. You see, we experience blessing at work, sometimes financially, and we think that's God's blessing. And that may not be the case. Because what does more finances, you know, really create in some of us? A hunger to spend it. That's not really God honoring. And, and so, so those things aren't always what they seem. God is always doing something, you know, behind the scenes. And we have to be faithful enough to walk with him and be able to step back and pray through and realize ultimately, no matter what is taking place around me, am I letting God have, am I giving God my full attention? Am I, am I giving everything that I have to him? God is preparing some of you. Some of you are in this area and maybe... Just like Elijah, you know, the the brook has begun to dry up. As you serve God, the brook is drying up and you're tempted to resent God. You're tempted to be angry with him. You're tempted to give up and to walk away. I've heard people say, I tried the God thing once and it didn't work. So whatever. So like when things don't go exactly the way that we planned, like in Elijah's life, are we going to give up? We're going to turn away. We're going to walk away. And my encouragement for you is to don't quit. Don't run from a situation that God is trying to teach you something. God is sovereign. 
God is, is, is in control. God is always in control. And so, so when I'm facing a tough situation, because he's in control, number one, every time I face something, I, I'm, I have to remind myself, God is alive and well, number one. And secondly, he is still in control. And so when I face these things, I, I, I understand this perspective. I realize that he's reigning over everything in this world. And so I'm not going to run from a situation that God is reigning over. Because as God reigns over this situation in my life, he is in control, he is alive and well. I'm trusting that he is going to use that situation to grow me closer to him. And ultimately, that's gonna bring me more joy. Ultimately, that's gonna bring me more happiness. I wish I could say that in ministry, you don't get frustrated and, and, and it's always happy and fun and games. You know, I wish I could say that. But the reality is, you know, as a pastor, you, I, I've never received a phone call at, you know, like on a Monday morning and say, hey, Pastor Trent, just wanted to let you know that yesterday was amazing and I gave my life to Christ. I'm not going to be a jerk to my wife anymore. I'm going to lead her spiritually. And oh, by the way, I'm going to start giving 25% to the church. Amen. Praise the Lord. I've never received that phone call. What phone calls do, do I get? What emails do I get? And the same that you do at work. You know, customers that are complaining or, you know, people in your organization that are upset. You know, I, I get the same thing, you know. So I get the phone call about I didn't like this or I don't want to do that and emails about this and you should have done that and, and all those things. And so, you know, it could be great. Church growing, things are happening. God is working. And then you go through two weeks of complaints. People die. Divorce, you know, is happening around you. People that you've invested in leave the church or people that you pour into fall back into sin. And it just gets frustrating and Let's be honest, I've driven by Burger King many a day and thought, I wonder if they're hiring, you know, because <laughs> I'll flip a burger. You know, I will flip a burger if I don't have to face this because that happens, you know. And, and you're in ministry too. A lot of you guys, you're serving, maybe in student ministry, kids ministry, you're serving in local ministries. And so you're dealing with a lot of people. And as you're trying to give and as you're trying to be there for people, you know, there's a lot of people that just don't appreciate it. There's a lot of people that would complain. You're like, wait a minute, this is free. I'm here for you and you're complaining. What? And so it's frustrating. It's difficult to wake up early and to get to church early so you can serve. It's not always easy to do that. It's a lot easier to sleep in and to catch that extra 45 minutes of sleep, you know, or, you know, to, to not come at all. It's way easier just to sleep in on Sunday, right? So like, you experience this. You experience the frustration sometimes of being in ministry. You experience the hassle of, of, of dealing with people. And so we can't allow that to, to, to cause us to give, to give up and to quit. God's using this to grow us. You know, I was reminded of this just uh, last month. We started the marriage conference. And day one of the marriage conference was like the enemy just started attacking you know, our family and our marriage. And like, we, we went from that into the Our House series. I'm talking about marriage. I'm talking about parenting and, and kids. And, and next thing I know, we're dealing with things in our family that we haven't ever had to deal with. And it's like the enemy is just bombarding our family, our, our, our poor little kids. And I'm like, God, I, I'll talk about this stuff, but I thought the deal was I talk about it and then my kids don't have to deal with it. He's like, no, I never made that deal. I never made that deal, Trent. I never made that deal that your marriage was going to be awesome and perfect. Your wife is going to float in with cookies every night. <laughs> Dang, that's the one thing. No, she's pretty good at that, actually. So, so we experience it. You go through the frustration. You go through the, you know, the turmoil of dealing with people, and you're tempted to quit. Elijah, I'm sure, was tempted to quit. 
But he realized that, that his obedience is what God was looking for, even in the difficult times. And, and here's the clincher. Here's what I know. And we'll, we'll move on. Why, why is the brook running low? Why does the brook dry up in Elijah's life? Here it is. Because God was about to do something new in his life. And we're going to read next week in verse 8 that he's called to go to a different city, a different area. And had the brook never dried up, would he have ever left? Maybe he was comfortable there. I'm kind of easing into this. I kind of like the birds. It's easy. I don't have to work for it. I don't have to do anything. They just come and drop it. I got the, I'm perfect here. God, I don't want to go up and fight anybody and deal with all this junk. I'm good. Some of you are introverted. This is like a dream come true. I don't have to do anything but just like eat and drink and read books. This is perfect, you know. So like he, he, he leaves. God is about to do something new. We're going to read the story next week of how he conquers and does this amazing. Like he never experiences the Mount Carmel victory if he stays in a comfortable area in his life. You see, some of you, the brook has gone dry. Maybe in your marriage or job or finances. Maybe you lost a job and you're tempted to point at God and be angry. What you have to do is realize it's your reaction to that situation that will determine your next step and what God does and how God responds to you. Are you walking with him faithfully? Because he will, he will do this. He will take what we think is a bad situation, and maybe it is. There's no way to, to, to sugarcoat it. It's a bad situation, but he uses it for his glory, and you're good if you walk with him every time. For some of you, God's about to do something brand new. Now, this happened uh, many years ago. Um, some of you guys like to farm and you've got some, got some crops in the backyard. You know, you're getting, getting ready to you know, dig up the backyard and plant some tomatoes and kind of get that deal going this spring. You're excited about that. Well, in the South in the early 1900s, like agriculture, you guys know this. I mean, this was huge. This is how people lived. And uh, in Alabama in the early 1900s, cotton was king. And they grew cotton, and that's how they sustained their life and their families. And, and uh, there was a, a little insect called the boll weevil. Uh, and the boll weevil was this little beetle-type bug thing that came and just destroyed cotton. Like, it ruined crops. And so in the early 1900s, I mean, they're facing the Depression. All this stuff is happening. And then this little insect comes and destroys their crops. And so they were, they were faced with some hard decisions. Like, that some, some people continued to try to grow it. And, and fight through it. And, and some used, you know, uh, insecticides and all kinds of different things to try to get rid of this bug, but they could not get rid of it until finally a group of guys, farmers got together and they thought, you know what, maybe we could just plant something else. And so they did some research and they decided uh, that they were going to start planting peanuts. And they did. And lo and behold, after some seasons of, of growing and planting, their crops uh, began to grow and the, the, the little insect didn't bother the peanuts. And after a, a year or two, they realized that they were making twice as much money as what they were uh, when they were growing cotton. So what they did, they started to change their perspective on life. Instead of being upset and mad at this little bug, they actually created a monument to honor this bug. Because had it not been for the bug, they never would have switched to peanuts and made all this money and, and, and experienced all this blessing. So actually, I think we have a picture of the monument. This is it. It's in Alabama. <laughs> it's a, a, little, a little town in Alabama. They have erected this monument in, in, in honor of this bug that changed their perspective on life. So this is, what I'm, this is where I want to land today. 
Some of you have the wrong perspective on your circumstances today. Maybe God is not punishing you. Maybe God is preparing you. Some of you have the wrong perspective because all you're doing is focusing on the negative. All you're doing is focusing on what you don't have instead of focusing on what is the next step that God is calling me to do. And as you walk with God, he grows you. As you take that next step, whatever that next step is for you, he grows you, he honors you, he blesses you, and he takes you into brand new places. And here's the deal. God wants to do something new in your life. I truly believe that. I believe that not only he wants to do something new, but he wants to get you out of your comfort zone so that you can experience him on an incredibly new and deeper level. And so as we close today, I just want just to ask God to speak to us. Like, what, what is that next step for you? Maybe it's ministry. Maybe it's fighting, a, you, know, you know, dealing with an issue and a problem that you've been avoiding. Maybe it's making some lifestyle changes, some priority changes in your life so that you can seek God in a different way. I don't know what that is, but I know this. Sometimes in life we experience like this uh, desperation, you know. Sometimes God's plan and preparation leads us to desperation, but as we've said, God reigns over, over every situation. So no matter what you're experiencing, He's in control, He's alive and well, and He wants you to experience Him on a deeper level. I want to just ask you to bow your heads and let's pray through this this morning as we close. Does God have your attention? Have you truly given your heart and attention to him? Because we, we see Elijah here. He's, he's praying, you know, that it's not going to rain. And then, you know, towards the end of this, this little passage here, he's dying of thirst. So you got to be careful what you pray for, right? Like he's praying that it doesn't rain and now he's dying of thirst. And, and God has his attention. Does God have your attention? Are you allowing your situation to grow you or are you allowing it to destroy you? You see, the key to the circumstances in your life is your reaction. You're going to walk with God. You're just going to get angry at him. You're going to walk with him and do the things that are necessary to have faith. I mean, we always want to know what step five and six are. We want to know how it's going to turn out. Turn out, But listen, then that wouldn't require faith, would it? Walking with God is all about faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Some of you are dealing with just disobedience. Like you're not taking that step. What is it that God is asking you to do? Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.